Hello, this is Reverend John Harfouche, and you're listening to the Christian Harfouche Ministries podcast. We have a message for you today from Pastor Christy Amira Harfouche. For more information, live broadcasts, and video teachings, connect with us online at globalrevival.com and join us every week for the Christian Harfouche Ministries podcast. In the book of Matthew, when the Lord calls his disciples, he tells Peter, he says, you're, you're, you're no longer going to catch fish. You're going to be a fisher of men. How many of you know when he found him, he was on a boat, and he was called a fisherman. But how many of you know he had a boat, and he had the title, but how many fishes did he have? No, that's right, because he, he, had, he had the occupation. He was a fisherman by occupation. But he had an empty boat. Right? Now, I don't think every day Peter's catch was always nothing. Or else he would definitely had changed jobs before that moment. But how many of you know that when Jesus ran into him, Jesus said, well, first of all, you know the story, don't you? Well, we're going to go over it just for a moment. He meets him, and there's a multitude that wants to hear the word. A multitude that wants to hear the word. And they're all hungry for the word. And they all want answers. And they all want their problems solved. And they all want God to get in on their situation. But they can't hear Jesus unless he goes out on Peter's boat. And they allow the water to carry that sound to the multitude. Isn't that right? So Jesus catches Peter and his empty boat. Somebody hit the person next to you and say, empty boat. (sighs) Because man's effort can only get so much. And man's effort will fail. Even the experts can have an empty boat. Even those trained in a specific field can have a whole night of work and nothing to show for it. Isn't that right? And then uh, Jesus said to Peter, launch out into the deep. Well, Peter had already started cleaning his nets. He was already closing shop. Right? He was already wrapping it up. And, but he did it anyway. Somebody hit yourself in the belly and say, wake up, I need this. And so he launched out. He, he did it at Jesus' word. He did it at Jesus' word. Right? How many of you know he hadn't heard Jesus preach yet? I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how it happened, but I know it happened. And what in the it that I'm talking about is the Holy Ghost getting a hold of Peter in a way where he knew that there was something different about this man. There was something different about this day. 
there was something different about this moment. And see, God always asks us to say yes before he shows us the miracle. I'm going to say that again. God always asks us to say yes before he shows us the miracle. There's always a stepping out of the boat before there's a walking on water. There's always a let it be unto me according to your word before there is a according to your word. There's always a dip seven times before there's a leprosy healed. There's always a go wash the dirt and spit off your eyes before you can see. There's always an opportunity to either say yes or no to more. And that's what it was at that moment. He could have either said, no, I've, I've toiled all night and I've caught nothing. What, what could you possibly say to put fish in my boat? Oh, yeah, he could have. Because how many of you know he's a fisherman? He's not a Bible school student. <laughs> he wasn't looking for a rabbi. He was looking for some fish. How's that going to put food on my table? How's that going to answer the problems I'm facing? How's that going to change my situation? What could you say from that pulpit that could impact my life? But Peter didn't say that. Peter said, I'll do it at your word. And he launched out and then he heard the word. Then he heard the word. And he may have been on an empty boat, but those words were full. He may have tried everything he knew, but those words were pressing him to know that there was more. See, listen, you know why we get frustrated as humans? Because, thank you. We got a good student here. Why we get frustrated as humans is because we're relying on our own strength. Because frustration comes when you think it's over. But it's only over if there's no more. And unless you've exhausted the the energy of heaven, then there is more God has for you and your life today. See, but you you can't you can't you can't praise God about it after you heard the message. No, I mean to a certain extent we can. How many of you know what I mean? It's not bad to thank God after the fact. But Peter had to say yes before the sermon. Right? Now then after the message that Jesus taught, he had yet another yes to say. Right? Jesus told him, well, you know, launch in, uh, cast your nets in for a catch. And Peter said, listen, I know you're really educated on this theology stuff, Uh, but as far as fishing goes, you know, this is kind of my arena. I'm an expert. And, uh, you know, I'm really educated in this field. But he said, nevertheless, at your word, right? And he cast in a net. We're not going to come down too hard on Peter because he didn't cast in nets. 
because he did cast in a net. And that took faith. Because he had already cleaned those nets. How many of you know that? Um, you know what it is. I mean, we're, we're, we're um, you know, imagine if the kitchen was clean. You know, you just put, you just clean that kitchen. I mean, I know there were some amens that somebody sat on, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, I just cleaned that floor. I just clean and cleaning a net isn't easy. And so they, they, they just clean those nets. So he threw in the net and you know, the story he caught, he brought in such a catch. He brought in such a catch that even his expertise could not have predicted that. Now, somebody needs to get excited about that because this is what it means. It means that the greatest that our own effort could get is nothing compared to the greatest that we will receive when we put our effort in God. And so who was the fisherman? But I mean, who was the real expert on that boat? Oh, oh yeah. Jesus was the real expert. Jesus knew when and where to throw in that net. That's right, in the mouth of two or three, mm-hmm, let every word be established. Jesus, Jesus knew, Jesus knew that where man's effort ends, God's power does not. That where man's expectation is frustrated, God's promise is not. If God said it, God will fulfill it. God will bring it to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so he brought in such a catch that his net started to break. The equipment that he had planned to take care of any kind of catch that he could imagine ever getting was overwhelmed by the God kind of catch. And we know that's the word because the word says that when we tithe and when we give our offering, that he opens up the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it. That means that he will pour out what is too much, what is overflow, what's hallelujah. But see, Peter responds in a really, really moving way. Peter falls down at Jesus's feet. And he says, depart from me. For I am a sinful man. Why would he do that? He did that because 
the blessing was not parallel to his ability. The catch was not in line with what he, what he is used to. So here is this blessing that's up here and his ability that's down here. And he knows I did not bring this in. And immediately now, because he doesn't, he's not, uh, he's not you. See, see, we, right? We're washed with the blood. We, we're, we're, we're blood bought. We, we know who we are in God. We know, in other words, we don't expect to get our results. And if you do expect to get your results, then, then you can go to another level tonight and realize that it's not by your might and it's not by your power, but it's by the spirit. What does that mean? That means that we won't get what is the level of our might and our power. We will get what is the level of his spirit. And so we're not going to expect what is the level of our might and our ability and our knowledge and our expertise. We are going to expect what is the level of his spirit and his power and his overflow and his promise. But Peter was convicted. Peter knew it wasn't him. See, you know, the goodness of God leads people to repentance. This is too good. I I don't deserve this. That's what happened. He was like, I don't deserve this. I didn't do what's necessary to have this kind of blessing. This is above my own strength, above my own ability, above my own power. And so he fell down and he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. He, he said, I'm not worthy of this. I'm not, I don't, I don't live up to this. I'm, I'm not, you know. And Jesus told him, from henceforth, you will be a fisher of men. You are getting a promotion. <laughs> you are getting a promotion. See, what does that mean? Well, how many of you know that Peter was the expert on fishing? But how many of you know that his ability ended and Jesus's kept going? So what did he tell Peter in essence? He said, I'm going to train you to be not someone that looks for the provision only, but someone that is connected to the source. You won't just feed men's bellies. You will have what changes men's lives. And men and women, how many of you know it means men and women, but that's what each and every one of us is called to be. That's why Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to put on or what you're going to wear because all of these things do the Gentiles seek. Well, why do they seek those things? They seek the things because they are not connected to the source. 
They're not on a mission from God, so they have to go after things to fulfill their life instead of knowing that if they fulfill his purpose in their life, things will follow them. And so we have to know and we have to consistently remind ourselves as children of God, hey, where my ability ends, God's does not. Where, and where my knowledge ends. Isn't that a big one? Where my, in other words, when I don't know what to do or when I don't know about a specific situation, right? How do I address it? How do I move forward if I don't have the knowledge? And you know, that can make a lot of people around the world very anxious. They can get very anxious because they think, but I don't know. There's so many variables. There's so much confusion. Somebody's saying this. Somebody's saying this. How do I know what the truth is? Well, when our knowledge ends, God's knowledge does not. That means that we cannot live our lives anxious because we don't know everything. We live our lives in faith because we know the one who does. And he lives in us. And he leads us. And he guides us. And when we don't know, he also graces us. Because Joshua spoke to the wrong planet. He was not an expert of astronomy. He did not know that it was not the sun that moved. It was the earth that was moving around the sun. But he spoke to the sun and it stood still. Why? Because faith doesn't need to know everything. It just needs to believe the one who does know everything. It's better to just not know any better. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, how many of you know that this Syrophoenician woman, she just didn't know any better, right? She just didn't know any better. She, Jesus told her, you know, she said, my daughter is grievously tormented with the devil. That's bad. You know, please, you know, and he, and, and he said, I am not sent to you basically he said is it right to take the children's bread and give it to dogs how many how many of you know it doesn't matter what generation or what time period you're living in if you call a woman a dog it's not nice (laughs) but how many of you know that she just didn't she didn't know any better she was not filled with why it wouldn't work for her She hadn't listened to the sermon about why her situation was an exception. She hadn't been indoctrinated by why the word won't work for me. She she just, or or she just didn't take no for an answer, one or the other. But how many of you know she said, no, even the dogs get the crumbs. And she blew Jesus, she blew Jesus away with her faith, didn't she? Jesus said, I, ha- I ha- this faith is, this is big faith. Yeah. 
This is big faith. And she got what she needed to get. She got it. You know, there was a blind man that Jesus healed. And I love him so much. I do. When I meet him, I'm going to be like, I saw what you did there. You know, I saw it. (laughs) And uh, he got called on the carpet, right? And they told him, they said, (laughs) they said, you know, because he had, he had, he had been blind since he, since he was born. And so they called his parents in. Is this the blind man? They said, yeah, that's him. And, and his parents kind of were like, well, we, you know, we don't know what happened to him. You ask him, you know. Thanks, mom and dad. Or the backup. <laughs> and so then they, they said, well, the man who healed you, he's a sinner. And the blind man had a great response. He said, whether he's a sinner I know not. All I know is that I was blind and now I can see. About your excuses, I know not. All I know is God is for me. All I know is God promised me. All I know is his word works for me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so we we, we got to be filled with the answer. So see, Jesus, Nikki, was not a fisherman. Now, by trade, he was a carpenter. Now, the reason that this is important is because people say, well, what is is that kind of word? What does it help you? You know, you're always learning about the Bible, but how does that, you know, put food on the table? How does that put shoes on your children's feet? How does that help you in, you know, everyday things? And here was a fisherman who was an expert at fishing, that hadn't caught one fish. And Jesus, who was an expert at following God and living by faith and knowing what the Lord is saying, he said that I only speak the words that God says and I only do what he tells me to do. Hallelujah. And so he was yielded to the Lord. But because he was yielded to the Lord, his expertise did not stop with theology because theology is what called everything from the invisible into the visible. Hallelujah. So what can revelation do? Everything. What can revelation do? Anything. What can faith do? Everything. There's nothing that he won't do for those that believe him. There's nothing that can't be done for those that rely on him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so Jesus was not, uh, he didn't, he, he, he wasn't known as a fisherman. He wasn't an expert in that field, but the word still filled the boat. <laughs> the word still filled the boat. And the word is still filling boats. The word is still filling barns. The word is still filling lives. The word is still casting out devils. The word is still opening prison doors. The word is still loosing the captives. There's nothing that he can't do. 
In 2 Kings in chapter 4, we're going to look at someone just like each and every one of us. In verse 8, And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem. Now somebody put your hands on your head and say, I've heard this, but I haven't heard this. And there was a great woman. Somebody say great woman. And when the, say, 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 say it, say it like, like it, like you're a woman that believes in women's rights. Shout it. That, that was perfect. No, because this woman, literally, that word great means that. It means this was a rich woman. That's what it means. This was a rich, that's what great means. It doesn't mean she was great. <laughs> Although I'm sure she was great, it means she was wealthy. She was a great woman. And um, she could, and this is a good story because usually when you see the prophet speaking to a woman, it's usually someone like in a desperate situation. <laughs> it's like either she's got her last cake, right? Or they're going to take her sons to be slaves and she needs to go borrow vessel. How many of you know? So this is a different situation. This is a, a wealthy woman. There's hope for even wealthy women. That's good to know. And, uh, and she constrained him to eat bread. Now, it, how many of you know that that word literally means uh, she constrained him? It, it means she, uh, almost like she took him captive. Now, I like that. Because I like, no, I like that. Because that means that she wanted to bless the man of God so much that she was, she was willing to go out of her way to constrain him to eat bread. Her hospitality was, uh, intense. It was, it was, uh, it was on the offense. She, she was, she was ready for that hospitality. So So it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table, and a stool, and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. So how many of you know this chamber is in their house? And the, we know this here that that original word means upper room. It's the upper room in the eastern houses. It represents a room of honor. Many times it was sanctified or set apart for the man of the house to have his own uh, room where, where he would go to. And, and so this is a room of honor, the room of utmost honor. And they gave that room to the man of God. Why? Because they gave that room to God. Yeah. 
They said, all right, the highest place in my home belongs to God. Now that's powerful. That's powerful because how many of you know that this is God's house? How many of you know that we as the body of Christ, we are the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost? But how many of you also know that when you give God your house, then the atmosphere of your house changes. Your house becomes the house that belongs to God. And so this woman, the Shunammite woman, was about to find out that everything in her life was going to change simply because of the order. Simply because of where she put God in her life. Just the order. She was giving God the highest place. I feel so good right now, I can't even explain it. I hope, if, if, I hope that you feel 25% at least as good as I feel right now. But this is important, and this is, and we are going to bring God of our heart, our treasure tonight. We are going to pay our tithe and give our offering. But I don't want anyone to think that that's the only thing that this word is about. See, her whole house, she, she had the equivalent of Peter's empty boat. Because she didn't have what her heart had desired, which is uh, a child. And so just like Peter had an empty boat, she had an empty house. She didn't have what she desired. That was what she wanted. That was what she wanted so much that she didn't even want to talk about it anymore. It had been a dream that she let go of. And some of us have some dreams like that. Some of us have some things that we held dear, that we wanted, that we desired in our life, and they tarried, so we gave up on them. Well, how many of you know that if it was up to you and your strength, then you should give up on it? But if it's not, if it's not by your might, if it's not by your power, if it's by his spirit, if, if he's the one that gives you the power, if he's the one that gives you the ability, if you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, then don't give up on something that God put in your heart. <clears throat> and so this woman, notice she didn't do any of these things because she wanted something in return. How many of you know that, you, you know, we, we can't, we, we do not do that here. We don't believe in giving with a motive. Right. Now, we know what happens when you sow. Yeah. That's, just, that's just a promise. That's just what it is. But we don't give to God because of that. We give to God because we love God. Yeah. And that's why our giving has a harvest. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yeah. And because you can't just put, you can't just tip God. Your giving has to represent your life. How many of you know that the, 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 the people can say things 
and not mean them, and it's what we call it empty words. Well, we don't want to have empty gifts. We don't want to have empty worship. We don't want to have empty words with God. No, we, 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 my goodness, we, we want to, and we, we won't. How many of you lift your hands up and say, it's not me. me. Why? why? Because we want everything we give. Have you ever given something and you put your heart into it? You know, I mean, you just, you were so excited to give that gift. And I'm not even talking about in church. Maybe you did it for your, you know, family or, you, you know, someone you love and you put just everything into it, you know, and, 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 and when you gave it, you gave a part of you, you know, you, your heart went with that. That's how we give to God. When we give to God, we give a portion, but in that portion is all of us. We put our all in it. Do you understand what I mean? That's why when he watched the offering and he, he saw the woman who gave the might, right? And we call it the widow's might. And we, uh, a lot of people use it to, to kind of condemn uh, wealthy people. Uh, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, but that's really not what Jesus was saying. He was saying this woman put more in there because that was connected to her life. That affected her heart. That, that was something she gave that represented her. Whereas other people were giving out of their abundance as if it was nothing. They didn't put any heart in it. You know what I mean? And, and so we, we've all, you know, it, 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 and I don't want to make, make, you know, uh, make any comparisons to gifts we give to one another, but we've all had a gift given to us that was like, you know, out of obligation. You know what I mean? Like, you know, somebody picked your name and see in a secret Santa, you know, and they were like, here's a gift card to, you know, somewhere, you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, it, it didn't bring tears to your eyes. It was, their heart was not involved. They went by the gas station on their way to the party. And you know what I mean? So, so, uh, we don't want to, we, we would never so like that in church, but how many of you know that people, some people worship like that. They worship God like that. They don't know any better because they don't know that God's actually there, that God's actually listening, that God actually cares. But when you know that you have a connection with God, you so different because you know that God sees your heart. You know that even when you give out of a, a, a time of, that looks like a time of lack or a time of tightness, you know what I mean? God knows that that gift is bigger than what it looks like, that it has more in it than what just the numbers say. He knows what's in it. And so that's what he said about the woman with the might. And the reason that this is important is because this is the way that faith works. Faith is all or nothing. I mean, faith is the all. And then nothing is no faith. But how many of you know what I'm talking about? Faith takes everything. You, you can't, you, you know, we, we can't have, uh, you know, we can't get out of the boat and have water wings on. <laughs> how many of you know what I'm talking about? You just got to decide. You just got to decide, look, I'm going to get out of the boat. Okay, if I sink, I, I'm going to sink for a second. Jesus will fix me up, but I'm not going to go halfway with this. Okay, I'm going to go all the way with this. And that's why we love Peter, 
because Peter went all the way with everything. <laughs> I mean, whether it was chopping off the guy's ear or jumping up the boat, he, he was going all the way. Whatever direction he went, he went all the way. And, uh, and that's helpful because now we get to talk about him and make him a sermon instead of actually having to do it ourselves. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, so this woman, this woman gave God the highest level of honor in her life because she, she must have believed in God. We know that. We knew that she knew that the man of God was a holy man. And so she wanted to do something to bless the man of God because she wanted to bless God. And so she convinced her husband that that should have been his room. <laughs> she, but she convinced him. So she, she, her husband must have been someone who listens to God. Right? And so they made this room and they put in it what was, what was a, they furnished it. The word stool doesn't mean a stool like we think, you know. The word stool is the word throne in the original language. And, and uh, the, the, uh, a candlestick and a table and a bed. And so in verse 11, it fell on a day that he came thither and he turned into the chamber and lay there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. And when he called her, she stood before him. And he said un, uh, unto him, say now unto her, behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. I'm not even going to stop there, but that's awesome. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, verily she hath no child and her husband is old. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just Gehazi was such a terrible person that I, I just feel that this must have been something mean to say. You know, her husband is old. But that's just me imagining Gehazi being a horrible person because he was. But that's another message in entirety. <laughs> and he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door and he said, about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. Now, I want to stop for a moment. Look up at me about this. This was a prophetic word that had absolutely no possibility of happening. Now, this is how prophetic words are. It's just like Jesus saying, throw the nets in for a catch. Peter's like, there's no fish. Right? He had, he had toiled all night, caught nothing. It's just like the prophet of God saying, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Go check. Servant comes back, nothing. Right? No, no, Dr. Fushi, there's no 12 baskets. There's no seven hampers. 
go back out there and check. I hear the sound of abundance of rain. No, no, no Dr. Harvey, still, there's still no, no, seven, no seven hammers and no 12. Go back out there and check. Now, how many of you know they kept checking until there was a, a tiny cloud? And then from that tiny cloud, somehow there was an abundance of rain. Why? Because when God says it, you don't need to look for other clues. God already said it. It will come to pass the way that God said it. Hallelujah. And so this woman had absolutely, there was no possibility of this word coming to pass in her own strength or her own ability or her husband's ability. It was impossible. It was totally impossible. But how many of you know that when you give God the highest place in your life, the possible comes to your house? When you give God the highest place of authority in your life, the impossible happens for you. And and we're not just talking about finances. This woman didn't want money. She didn't want power. She didn't want notoriety. She just wanted a child. She needed a physical miracle. Well, a lot of, everybody needed a physical, the whole house needed a physical miracle. And so... The woman in verse, and and so she said, no, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. Now that goes back to the fact that she had given up on this. Why did she give up on it? Because she didn't have the power to make it happen. She couldn't figure out how God was going to do it. See, it, it doesn't matter if you and I don't have the ability to bring to pass what God said. We're not called to bring it to pass. We're called to believe it. And we're called to follow God step by step, whatever he tells us to do, and know that by following him in the now, that he will do what he said he will do. Thank you, Jesus. And so, the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. And when the child was grown, do we want to go here? I think so. You know why? Do you think that that chamber, do you think that they took it back after she had a child? Oh, so the highest place in her life was still occupied by God. That chamber was still preaching. So that's what your tithe does. It preaches on your behalf. That's what your decisions do. doesn't matter who gets it. God does. You know, sometimes we make decisions that people don't understand. Sometimes we do things that, that are, are not easy. Sometimes we make choices that are not easy, but we do it for God. God gets it. And, it, it, and so she, she still had that chamber. So when the devil tried to take what God gave, how many of you know the chamber was still there? 
And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said unto his father, my head, my head. And he said to the lad, carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and died. My goodness. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. And shut the door upon him and went out. She took her son that God gave her. That the devil now tried to take from her. And she took him up to that chamber that preaches on her behalf. That she's a woman that puts God in the highest place in her life. And she laid him on that bed. Because the God who gives is the God who keeps. The God of the harvest is the God of protection. The God who pours out is the God who preserves. If God brought it to you, then the enemy cannot steal it from you. But our connection has to stay with God. We can't say, okay, I got what I wanted. I'm out. She didn't get out of it. She still had that chamber. She still took that hospitality as important. She knew that she had to put God in the highest place in her life. Glory to God. The devil's a liar. If he has stolen from you, he has to repay it sevenfold. So the woman went to find the prophet of God. Now, it's not the the only woman that went to find the prophet. I'm going to stop, though. I'm not going to tell you about another woman because we'll be here all night and I'm not going to do that to you. So in verse uh, 25... She went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel and it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi, his servant, behold, yonder is the Shunammite. Run now, I pray thee to meet her and say unto her, is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, it is well. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. And the man of God said, let her alone. For her soul is vexed within her and the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. Then she said, now I want to stop here and I want to bring this kind of into where, where we live and where we are. Now, this happened over many years. This happened over many years. And she had a connection with the man of God all those years. Right? And now she's facing a trial. And instead of getting mad at God, she runs to God. Instead of, you know, burning the chamber you know, out of anger or or doing something like that, she put the child in the chamber. Because she knew that 
she didn't give herself that child. See, that's what we all have to understand. If God gave it to you, then who is the devil trying to rob? Why would you get mad at God who gave it when the enemy is just trying to rob what God gave? How many of you see? And so if the enemy is trying to rob from you, he's trying to rob from God. So the first person to run to, first one to run to is God. And so that's where she went, and she wasn't going to tell the servant anything, Gehazi, because we already, I already told you how much I don't like him. And, and, and she didn't like him either, obviously. And so she, the, 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 in verse 26, she said, Did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I ask for a son? Did, did not I say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up thy loins and take my staff in thine hand and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not. And if any, salute thee, answer him not again and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And he arose and followed her. Now, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm not going to stay on it a long time, but I believe that you'll get it in the spirit, every one of us. Do you know these are the same words that Elisha told Elijah? The exact same words. When when Elijah said, you stay here and I'm going further. Elisha said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So when she said this to Elisha, he had heard this faith before. Not only that, but now his disciple was going to turn out to be a Judas. And the Shunammite woman was going to turn out to be the real thing. So Gehazi went and did his thing, but it didn't work because he wasn't right with God. Because delegated authority always works. Unless something is out of whack. And in Gehazi's life, something was out of whack. Can you imagine, uh, can you imagine his heart when she told him the same words? My goodness. And when Elisha came into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. 
And he went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain and prayed unto the Lord. Now, this is so powerful because this shows this woman's continual connection with the Lord. See, when you stay with God, God takes you from glory to glory and from faith to faith. And he went in and laid upon the child and put his mouth upon his mouth and his eyes upon his eyes and his hands upon his hands. And he stretched himself upon the child and the flesh of the child waxed warm. And he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him and the child sneezed seven times. (laughs) And the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite and he called her and when she was come in unto him, he said, take up thy son. And she went in and fell at his feet. And bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. How many of you know that this woman's story doesn't stop there? Because her partnership with God didn't stop there. She continued to serve God. She continued to give him the highest place in her life. Do you know what happened to her? A famine came to the land and she was warned about it. God preserved her in spite of the famine. She came back to the land and reaped not only what she reaped in the land that had no famine, but what she would have reaped in the land that she prior lived in. So she had compound harvest that came upon her life simply because she stayed connected with the man of God and she made her house God's house. See, how do you make your house God's house? Now, I don't mean making God's house not special anymore and bringing it down to a level of, you know, our living room or our kitchen or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is our house being lifted to a level where it is in connection and partnership with God's house. My goodness. And so that's what happened to this woman. Her whole house was affected by her partnership with the Lord. Now that's important for us to know because this walk of faith is not something that is a short-term walk. You know, there are rehabilitation uh, 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 courses. You know what I mean? There, there are periods of time where people go into a a, a, a time of rehabilitation. They, they check themselves into a place and, and when they come out, they're supposed to be transformed and many, many good uh, scenarios they are. But how many of you know that when you get connected to God, it's not like that. It's not like, okay, I'm going to get what I want from God and then I'm going to go uh, live my life the way that, that I want to live my life. And that sounds silly, but that's how a lot of people see it. They see themselves as, okay, I really need help. So I'm going to get in God and get to where I don't need that much help. And then they're like, okay, I'm on my feet now. I don't need God that much anymore. But how many of you know that you, you, there's never comes a point. Well, what if the Shunammite woman said, I don't need God anymore after she gave birth to the child? Well, what would have happened when the child needed to be resurrected? What would have happened when famine came to her land? What what would have happened? Well, how many of you know her testimony 
would have kind of been overshadowed a little bit by the fact that, you know, she decided that it was just a momentary thing. But how many of you know that this is a lifelong thing? When you get hooked up to God, you've got to know that God, the God who gave it to you will keep it for you. The God who brought you out will bring you into the promised land. The God who delivered you will raise you up to be a king and a priest. The God who delivered you from being a slave will make you a possessor. Hallelujah. And so that's what we're a part of. And that's the kind of connection that God has with us. Thanks for joining us on the Christian Harfouche Ministries podcast. Join us on our other podcast, Miracles Today. Connect with us at globalrevival.com and we'll see you next week.